Hey, hey, you people of Earth, it's time to enter the spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick and Casey. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on spoilerverse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Join the cult of the Spoilerverse. Welcome back. To spoiler country. I'm Ken Griggin. That is Mr. Horsley. It's an old school intro today. <laughs> I like it. And today on the show, what's well, Jamal Ingle, isn't it? It is, isn't he? Came on and he talked to Casey about his new comic from Ahoy, uh, The Wrong Earth, Night and Day, number one, which is out now. And uh, this is a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I don't. This will be my first time hearing about it, so this is going to be a, a lot of fun for me. It's always kind of cool yeah, when you get into this without knowing who it is, you know? Or not knowing who right. it is. I mean, I've heard of Jamal, but I mean, not knowing the story of what they're going to be talking about. Right, because then you get, a, you get a learn on the episode what's happening, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So what do you say? You want to get into it? Yeah, man. Yeah, let's just get into it. All right, let's do this. Let's listen to Jamal Ingle in his own words. everybody welcome again to another episode of spoiler country today on the show we have artist jamal eigel jamal how you doing man i'm good how are you i'm good i'm good should i have added the yasim no it's no it's fine i just do that to be fancy okay that's why i I do my (laughs) middle name sometimes too and just because i like my middle name and but also i I worry I, i i sound like like i'm you know trying to trying to act like i didn't grow up in the (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely understand. I used to really try to make a point of it, at least like having my middle name in print. And then after a while, I was just like, eh, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't so, matter. It, it used to confuse the guys from a comic book database because I came up as Jamal Eigel and Jamal Yassim Eigel. So it made it seem like it was two separate people. <laughs> <laughs> so I talked to one of the co-creators on your book. Mm. And first I was like, oh my gosh, you work with Jamal. He blows my mind. His artwork is fantastic. And he had nothing but effusive praise for you. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> talking about your, your uh, co-creator on Another Earth. Mm. Um, oh my gosh, super good guy. And yeah, he, he, we, we talked probably a good 15 minutes out of the show. We talked about you in the best. Uh, oh, I, I, I appreciate it. I, I do. I just, see, now I'm just like, oh God, somebody said something nice about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, so when I first saw your artwork, it made me think of, I think the artist was Christopher Golden, mm-hmm. who, who I was a massive fan of when I, when I first got into comics. Yeah. It was because I was invading my dad's uh, big box of comic books that he had stashed away. He was really into the nom. Yeah. And uh, Christopher. Oh, such a good book. Oh my it was. God. It was. And, and the covers to that book were fan freaking tastic. Absolutely gorgeous stuff. And I, I see like uh, not in a derivative sense at all, but I see like, oh, like he's he studied the best. This guy. Like he, <laughs> he's, he's putting some, some amazing stuff out there. So yeah, I, I totally appreciate what you do. It oh, is thank you, man. fantastic thank you. work. Thank you. Yeah, no, that, I mean, I'm, I'm, how, how do I describe this? So I've got into comics really got into the comics when I was probably like, I would say like 10 or 11. 
so like I was reading comics before and I was watching cartoons and you know all, all the, the stuff you did but like actually buying comics with my own money and like starting to see style so you're talking you know 1980 uh, 1982 1983 so from that so from that point you're talking about like I I my formative high school years was looking at stuff like you know Ronin and Killing Joke. Oh and, wow! Yeah, you know, Jerry Ordway on Fantastic Four and you know Infinity Incorporated and you know John Byrne obviously and Arthur Adams and Mike Golden and like all of these guys, all these legendary creators, and I I absorbed those guys early on, and then when I got into high school. That's when I got. I that's when I discovered Dave Stevens and Steve Rude, and oh, yeah. Brian Bolland, and just and you know Garcia Lopez and just all of these guys. And then like stepping backwards to like Al Williamson and Mac Rayboy and Alex Raymond and Norman Rockwell and you know just really just absorbing all of that stuff constantly. So, you know, that's, that's where the, the foundation of what I do really started from. What, what was the thing that made you go, I, I can do this? It was always kind of there, you know. I, I, I was lucky because my mom was very, very encouraging in that regard. So I was always surrounded by, like, superheroes and comic book stuff and you know my mom she did never drew professionally but she she's got an artist's eye and one of the things she did when i was a kid was she took the the old spider-man header from the newspaper strip and she painted it on my bedroom wall <laughs> that is that is grade a like super mom stuff right there oh yeah no absolutely absolutely and then she painted like little orphan annie on my sister's wall on the because my sister and i shared a bedroom it was like a huge bedroom and but you know, i was that, there that dude was, yeah. I, I did the same thing <laughs> yeah so i mean that was that was yeah like i said that was like my my formative years was being kind of immersed in all the stuff and always having it around and then right around the time, you know, being from New York, you know, we have all these specialized art high schools and, and, and junior high school and gifted and talented programs and everything. And I think probably like I, I really started like really getting interested in drawing comics probably in like the sixth grade. So from like sixth and seventh grade, that's when I started like doing like little mini comics with friends in school and, and everything and then i went to the high school of art and design in manhattan and my buddies and i used to sneak out before the before last period and go and try to do the marvel tour when marvel was still doing tours oh cool <laughs> <laughs> so i think we did it like three or four times and the statue of limitations is, is over on this so we we knew where the mail room we knew where the mail room was and we knew what day they they were putting everything in like the bin to take out to take out to the garbage. So we would like sneak into the building and like go rifling through Marvel's garbage <laughs> for like posters <laughs> and books and stuff. That is that dude, that is something that I totally would have done had I lived in New York. That oh, is yeah. amazing. Uh, it, it was, it, it, and it didn't even really bug us that much. Like, it wasn't even, like, didn't matter if they were bent. Didn't matter if they had, like, a little terror in them. We were taken. <laughs> <laughs> so, you you did the, the art high school thing, I take it? Yeah, yeah. I went to art high, I went to high school of art and design. I went to the the Art Students League of New York. I went to the School of Visual Arts. You know, I, I, you know, by the time I got to art and design, like I knew I wanted to do comics. And I knew that was what, I knew that's where I wanted to be. And so, yeah, so I, I, I 
was super hyper focused on it actually much to my detriment sometimes but (laughs) (laughs) how how was your how did your family take that because i mean that's a that's anytime somebody goes into like the arts it's a risk well here's here's the weird here's the weird part about it is because i was an actor as well so my family was more encouraging, like not my mom. My mom was cool with, with me, whatever I wanted to do. But my other relatives who were convinced that I was going to be this you know, big star someday were confused. Why would you <laughs> want to stop acting and draw comic books? My grandmother, especially, like she just didn't get it. Like, you know... Uh, my at the around the same time, my cousin Kaif was a was part of the boys choir of Harlem, so he was part of the tour the, the the touring group. So he was like going to the Philippines and Japan and Europe and you know doing all this stuff. And I had been doing like you know off Broadway shows and you know commercials and you know little bits of things here and here and there. Nothing of note at all but it was always the assumption that i was going to be at least in some corners of my family i was going to become an actor and a performer and it wasn't you know i didn't like i i liked it i didn't love it you know there's i'm sorry no no go ahead well i I was saying i've talked to a a few other creative like comic creatives there are so many comic creatives that have started in theater. Oh yeah. Theater and, and theater and film. Which is, is so John Ostrander mm-hmm. with Del Close. Let's see who else? I think Matt Kent. Matt Matt Kent, Greg Pak was is a filmmaker and a screenwriter. Fred Van Lente was a screenwriter as well. That's um, wild. Yeah. But so, like, and a like, lot of actors. Yeah, yeah, like like if you ever get the if you ever get a chance to talk to Kevin McGuire, he's got some stories. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah, it, it blew my mind because I mean, like, pick pick a side, dude. Come on, <laughs> well, no, well, I mean, you can only you be can... good at one thing. One thing. <laughs> okay, but then you got a guy like Jeffrey Thorne who's taking over Green Lantern, right? Super talented. Super talented. The man was literally on a TV show. <laughs> the man was, I mean, he's written TV shows, but he was literally a co-star on In the Heat of the Night, like for many seasons. That is wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love hearing backstories like that. And just the twists and turns mm-hmm. that, that people take to get to their career and, and what they, what they love. And it's, it's quite, it's quite evident. You, you love what you do. Like this is, this is in your soul. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. This is, this is the thing. It, it was something that I, that I knew when I was five, but couldn't verbalize properly or couldn't imagine being a real thing. Like I, I think it really took me going on the Marvel tour to real at fourteen to realize, holy crap, you can actually do this for a living. That's awesome. Like, yeah. You can do this. This is this is something that people do. This is a real office. Like this is <laughs> this is a somewhat imaginary. Like the Marvel bullpen is a real thing. <laughs> it's 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 nuts. And seeing just all the different types of people that that go into it, mm-hmm. it, it it's really lovely. So you you went to you went to college, mm-hmm. you got out of college, started started work. When did you know that you were like I'm doing this for real? This is what I like. I am not just a guy who works somewhere and also draws comics. I am a comics artist. When did oh, you that, that feel secure? A- that that took a while because that that there were spurts and there were starts and stops. Okay, so so I get out of college, I go to Canada, 
I come back from Canada. I end up living in a two-bedroom apartment with four other guys in, on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Nice apartment, but I'm working at a comic shop, Jim Haley's Universe, during the week, and I'm bouncing at a bar on the weekends and drawing comics in between. And then I, I landed a gig with this company called Majestic Entertainment, and it was my first comics gig i'd never drawn a monthly book before in my life and i get this job to do this book called flashpoint and it was it was it was one of these companies that did these collectible card comics back in the early 90s or they were trying to do this collectible card comics because what ended up happening was the company the parent company which was this trading card company embezzled all the money from the company, filed chapter 11, stole all the artwork and left people like out of jobs. And at the time it was, you know, Paul Jenkins was the editor in chief, the last editor in chief. He got really screwed over on it. I talked to him. He told me that story. Yeah. Phil Hester was working there. He was, he was doing a a book called stat. There was another guy named Dan Wallace who was working there. I was doing a book called flashpoint which was about this kid from Staten Island with microwave powers. But that led me back to DC because I did my internship. I did an internship at DC when I was at art and design. I did a six month internship in my senior year. And I took the pages that I did for Majestic and I sent them to an edit, a couple of editors I knew at DC. And that got me eight pages on Green Lantern which I thought, oh, I'm in, you know, that's it. I'm in, I'm you know, going to be getting regular work. This is going to be my thing. I ended up doing a fill-in issue of a book called Cobalt from a, for a Milestone. I remember Cobalt. Yes. And then I didn't get any comics work for a year and a half. Oh, man. So that, that yeah. was a kick in the gut. It, it, it was because the entire time that I wasn't getting work, I was trying out for stuff. And uh, I was nowhere near as good as I thought I was. And nowhere, uh, nowhere as good as I needed to be to, to be able to get regular work at that point. But I didn't see it that way. You know, so, you know, it was, it was humbling. I was like, it was, it was, a ba- I was in a bad relationship at the time and, you know, things just weren't going well. And I was, you know, first I was working at Radio Shack and then I got a job at a, a marketing company and, you know, I, I thought that was going to be the day job, like, you know, doing the marketing thing, but I didn't have a marketing degree. My degree is in illustration. So, when the company reshuffled things, the person who was in charge of the shipping department had a marketing degree. So they made her the head of marketing. (laughs) What kept you going for that year and a half that you were just, you know, waiting? You know, a lot of it was like, I wasn't waiting around, like, you know, moping about it. I was, trying to get work the entire time. It just didn't seem to, to work out. Like I was, I had this, a, an art agent at the time and, you know, that wasn't going anywhere. And I was trying to do commercial work and that didn't seem to really be going anywhere. And a lot of it was me getting in my own way, to be honest, needed to be humbled a little bit because you go from being, you know, hot shit, in school and getting out into the real world and not realizing that you're competing with people with a better reputation and you have, you know, more credits to their name, you know, everything. So everything just sort of collapsed around the same time. You know, I I ended up losing the marketing job. I, you know, ended up breaking up with, the, the girl that I was with at the time and moving back in with my mom, <laughs> which was fun. But 
uh, that was the time when I decided that if I was going to to make this comic book thing happen, that was going to be that time. So what I did was I went and I got a job at another comic book shop at a Forbidden Planet with the express goal that I was going to spend all of my free time just sending out samples, doing portfolio pieces and sending out samples and going to conventions. So I ended up going to a convention in Philadelphia and I bumped into a friend of mine, Rob Stull, and he introduced me to Billy Tucci. And so I ended up working for Billy Tucci for almost a year. And I worked for Billy. I left Billy. I went and was working with Alex Simmons on his book, Blackjack. I did that for a while. I was doing, I was doing everything at that point. I was doing inking, you know, I, at that, by that point, I had I was living in a three bedroom apartment with Fred Van Lente and Steve Ellis, <laughs> and we had formed a production company. Had gotten a deal to do Classics Illustrated books for Scholastic, so we were doing that for a while, and then I moved to Los Angeles after that ended, and Steve got married, and Fred got married, and. I moved to LA and I ended up working at Sony animation. So, <laughs> so while I'm at Sony, this is 2000. So while I'm at Sony, I get a call from my agent at the time, a guy named Dave Ulbrich. He says, I just got a call from Marvel and they're looking for an artist for new warriors and they want to talk to you. And I didn't even know that I was on Marvel's radar. But uh, what had happened was, he's a friend now, but my buddy Greg Shegel was an assistant editor Marvel at the time. He was Bobby Chase's assistant, assistant editor. And he had gotten his hands on some Nightwing samples that I had did before I went to Los Angeles. Oh, nice. So, and he had held on to them. So when they were looking for a new artist for New Warriors, he pulled them out and showed them to Bobby. So that's how I got the New Warriors job, and that's how I met Jay Ferber. Was he working at DC when he got the Nightwing samples? Um, no, he was working at Marvel. I think he, got, he, said, I think he said he got them at a convention. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm, I don't remember dropping them off at the Marvel booth at a convention, but I probably did. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but then that was the, so I don't think I really felt like I was making a living doing comics really full time till probably I would say 99 and I started penciling in 94. So this is about a good five years between my first published work and me getting my first regular monthly assignment. So that's if, if you could say anything to yourself or somebody else kind of going through the same thing at the time, just like mm-hmm. going through the, like, just, it, it sounds like a rough spot to be in yeah. for, for, a, for a year and a half. What, what would you say to that person? Oh, <sighs> It's easy for me to, to look back and say, you know, be patient, which is, which is absolutely the truth. I think, you know, a year and a half is it's a really long amount of time, especially if you're, I mean, it's a long amount of time for anybody. I don't know what I would do if I went a year and a half now without comics work. I'd probably go insane. I mean, you but, have a family now. Well, yeah, that too, you know, and, and very blessed in, in, in very many ways. But, you know, you go back to that period and put myself in that mindset. I was oof, 22 at the time, 21, 22. So, you know, when you're 22, you're just super impatient about anything and everything <laughs> anyway. 
And you're, you're also filled with the hubris of thinking that now that you're in your 20s, you know everything too. So, but yeah, I think ultimately it's just, you know, try to impress, you know, being patient and, you know, just saying, look, it's not about you necessarily. You know, you're, you know, you, it's, you know, especially with comics, comics, it's, you know, much like every other creative endeavor, you know, it's a combination of preparation and luck. Or, you, you know, you have to prepare to be lucky. You know, you have to prepare to be, you have to be, you have to be so good at what you do that they can't say no. And they have to, you know, they really have to find an excuse to say no. And, you know, you have to be lucky enough to be in the right place emotionally at the right time, not so much physically. You have to be in a, you know, because a lot of what happens in this business is based on your reputation. And if you're not emotionally present as a creator, people can sense that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, people can, people can, I can suss out a flake very easily. (laughs) And then you, you get kind of, kind of shadow banned from the rest of the comics industry and you have to make your own hashtag. Well, no, 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 no. Okay. No, that, that I was being, I know, I, I know, no, it, it really, honestly, it takes a lot. <laughs> it, you have to be a real asshole. To get, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I have, I have been in this business. I'm 48 now. I have been in this business since I was from intern to now, you know, 18, 30 years. And I have seen people, you know, I have seen people fuck up over and over and over again and fail upwards. So to to get banned from the comic book industry, (laughs) you have to be just, you know, the worst possible human being. (laughs) Like, you know, and there are a few who, who have made their hay about, you know, being blackballed. And you just kind of want to say, it's not us, man. It's you. Yeah. yeah. You're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, th- there was one creator in particular. I'm not going to name names at mm-hmm. all. But one of one of the other hosts on the show was talking about people. That he's like, what about this guy? I haven't, I haven't heard anything from him in a long time. And I used to love his run on blah, 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 Marvel character. And I was like, nope. <laughs> and I pulled up some tweets. He's like, no, fuck that guy forever. <laughs> but like, because some people just don't know, like all they, they go to the comic shop, they get their stuff and they go home. They don't get on the but internet. You don't, and, but you don't expect them. To, I don't expect people to know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, because ultimately for I would say a good portion of the fan base, we're just names. You know, we're, we're names. We're, we do stuff that you enjoy. You don't need much more of that. It takes a very, it, it, you know, tracking somebody down and following somebody on social media, it, it, that's an extra layer. Social media, especially nowadays, like social media, this is the new convention, except it's a convention and it happens 24 hours a day. So you're going to get the good and bad oh, yeah. from, from everybody. And, you know, I don't know about you. I can't be on 24 hours a day. I get cranky sometimes. I try not to like explode on people, but I do, I do have my moments. How, how so, do you disconnect? Because that, that's something you... Just from everything, because you can't always be putting stuff out. And 
it, well, like, combine that with being, you know, a family man, you, you also have to. Yeah, no, I, 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 I it, you know, honestly, it, it, it probably seems like to some people and feels like to some people that I am just online all the time, but I'm really not. <laughs> no, I, you know, like I disconnect. I, you know, I, I take really long walks. I take like six mile walks with my dog couple of days a week. I work out. I spend time with my family. You know, we watch movies. This past weekend, we went down to one of our local beaches. It was cold, but we went down, we took the dog, we, you know, walked around for a couple of hours. We went and got some food, you know, we, you know, we spent time together as a family. It, you, you got to, to do that. You got to be able to, to disconnect and reassess things. You know, you gotta, you gotta be able to to and it's really hard you know sometimes because you 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 want to be accessible but you can't be too accessible you you want to share your experiences and the things that you think about and you believe in but you know you also have to go into knowing that not everybody is going to agree with you and I get the I get the the tweets you know from people like you know why do you have to talk about politics why do you have to talk about this why can't you just point put up more artwork but then I'll also talk to people like even before you know even in the before times when we did go to conventions I would see people at conventions and they'd be like thank you for you know saying what you did on facebook or on twitter or in the podcast thank you for talk you you talk about the stuff that i can't talk about online because of my job or my family or, or yeah. what ha- and i i sort of feel like you know even that part is me you know kind of contributing to the bigger experience because there are people who do want to know what's, you know, their favorite creators think about life and think about, you know, the world and how we exist within the world. Because, you know, I know at least for myself, I, I'm a big believer that work is informed by the artist you know, how you approach your work is informed by the things that you experience and that you believe in and that you espouse. And I know that the projects that I pick are very much influenced by the things that I believe in. And it's the things that I write about as, as a writer, even doing comics. Like, you know, I draw superhero comics because I love drawing superhero comics. But, you know, more often than not, when I'm writing I tend to do things that are more personal that are more about family and more about the things that I'm interested. Like I'm fascinated by the idea of celebrity. Really? Yeah. You know, I'm not even really so much celebrity in itself, like fame and fortune and that sort of thing. But the, the idea that your autonomy can be taken away from you because you do something that people enjoy because you're an actor or a musician or an artist or a writer people feel like you belong to them that that because they are your patron that they can control how you think and how you feel and what you get to espouse, you know, but I'm also fascinated by the, the idea that because you no longer have anonymity, you know, everything that you do is under scrutiny. So, so those are things that, that fascinate me as, as, you know, I love like, for for example, have you seen the the Bee Gees documentary? I have it's not. Is I, I, what is it on Netflix? It's, a, HBO? it's on uh, HBO Max. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that and the new Tiger Woods documentary. I'm like, I haven't watched that yet. That's 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 next in my queue. But the Bee Gees documentary was so fascinating to me because I had realized that their catalog was so deep 
and that they'd been in the public eye for as long as they'd been. Yeah, they started off as like kid performers, right? Yeah, like they were they kid were performers. Very they were kid, yeah, they were kid performers I, they, originally in Australia, and then they moved to England and, you know, rebuilt themselves as a 60s band and then went into the 70s and the 80s <laughs> and went through like all the stages of like of fame. Like they they were you know rich and then they weren't rich and they were on drugs and then they weren't on drugs and you know, and then they broke up and they got back together but there's you know three brothers and they you know you know so you know stuff like that fascinates the hell out of me it really does yeah i i've heard so many good things about that and the the tiger woods documentary mm-hmm. tiger, tiger fascinates me just because i mean you talking about somebody who started out famous young oh yeah like from like literally like three years old when he was on yeah. the Mike douglas show or something like that yeah and it's almost like a sideshow act for this poor kid it's like look at this weirdo he's playing golf but he's little yeah exactly yeah, and, then, it, and then you have all those those expectations that are shoved onto you yes. because you're you've been in the public eye it's like sort of like being a child actor like somebody like drew barrymore for you know or Carrie Russell, you know, or even, you know, Kurt Russell for, you know, if we're, if we're naming yeah, yeah. But people who have been famous their entire, on some way, in some way, shape or form their entire lives from childhood, all the way. Macaulay Culkin is another great example. You know, Macaulay Culkin in some people's eyes is always going to be Kevin from Home Alone. He's never going to be able to shake that. But he's sort of leaned into, you know, the idea of being Macaulay Culkin. And that's how he seems to deal with it. And not everybody deals with it that well. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's so, like, that's no way to raise a kid. No. It, it, I couldn't imagine putting my kids in, in, that, in that space. There, there's a really great podcast called You Must Remember This. I don't know if you've heard it. No, no. It, it's like Tales from Old Hollywood. Ooh. up to like present and it's so good <laughs> and they're like i'm not telling everybody to go out and stop listening to spoiler country and listen to you must remember this <laughs> however you know if you have an extra hour or so check out an episode of you must remember this because they have <laughs> they have a bunch of really like just you know each story each episode is a different story for the most mm-hmm. part and old hollywood was messed up man they were crazy Oh yeah, the, the the studio system of old Hollywood was just absolutely insane, oh, yeah. and you know they and again you know talking about losing that that sense of autonomy, and they controlled everything. They controlled who you were friends with, what you could do, where you could go. You know, if you were a studio kid, you not only had your school class, but then you had to like take music lessons dance lessons you had to be able to do absolutely everything and anything they needed you to do yeah that stuff is wild so what do you do to what what has been inspiring you lately like, has, has there been anybody that's blowing you away that's been blowing you away with her work oh god the, the list is way too long. It <laughs> really, it, no, it, it, it really is. And in terms of just like creators, like but writers, like Philip Johnson is doing really well. Like, he's, he's a great dude too. Yeah, Vida, I was so, yeah, Vida Ayala also. I, I talked to her a few weeks ago or I, I talked to them a few weeks ago. It's super yeah. nice. Yeah. Absolutely. Couldn't have asked for like a better experience yeah, with yeah, just, just a great, just a great person all around. Yes. But, and then there's like, uh, I mean, here's the thing is we, there's an embarrassment of riches in this business in terms of just creative talent. Like, you know, Jorge Fornes on Rorschach is doing great work. You know, Gary Frank is doing probably the best work of his career right now. You know, Olivier Coipel, you know, Glenn Melnikov, you know, Greg Capullo, like, Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, who did I picked up Eternals number one? How like, that stuff is beautiful. Like, it's just absolutely beautiful. You know, 
just there's just there's too many people. I mean, <laughs> it really is. Like you know, I I get jazzed looking at other people's comic books, and I get jealous because. You know, I sp- probably spend more time trying to figure out how did he do that? How did he get that color? How did he get, you know, oh, that's a, that's a, I would never have thought of X, Y, or Z because, you know, I don't do that. Like, you know, you look at somebody like John Boy Myers or Pop Man who do like much more cartoony work than I do, you know, or, you know, you, you look at, you know, Clay Man. Batman Catwoman. Oh yeah. You know, like just that book is built for him. Are you still able to be in like inspired and not only inspired, but influenced by new stuff that you see where you go like, I I might want to put that tool in my tool belt or something like that. As, as far as penciling goes, not, as much but i can't say that's not completely true because for example like for the wrong earth which i, I mistitled earlier and i felt oh, no, like that's, a jackass no that's fine don't worry need about to it. correct that that's, that's okay but for like you know for the wrong earth you know the way that i draw dragonfly i try to bring in influences like of capullo and Jim Lee and, you know, that sort of influence and in, like the feathering and the hatching to differentiate him from Dragonfly Man even more. But in terms of like, you know, color work, like, you know, I, I'm looking at like Laura Martin and Alex and Claire and Andrew Dollhouse and, you know, Ramula Fajardo and then like, inking. Like I just, you know, I started using – Japanese quills again for inking because I was primarily a brush guy before and I've been you know I just did a seven page story for Infinite Frontier the Superman story with Philip Johnson Phil Kennedy Johnson he yeah yeah and so I penciled and inked that and I was mixing brush with quill and you know, China marker. <laughs> oh, wow. So <laughs> you, like, you went off the rails. Yeah. Just kind of awesome. a, little, a little bit of, a little bit of everything. And, you know, so yeah. So I'm, I'm you know, in terms of like the, the, the technique, like I'm looking at other people's technique. Like I, I you know, I, I find myself, you know, especially with like pen, like I'm looking at Jonathan Glampian. Or I'm looking at Scott Williams, or I'm looking at Sandra Hope, or I'm, you know, or I'm looking, going back, and one of my favorite inkers over Carlos Pacheco was Jesus Marino, who now pencils and inks his own stuff. So, you know, yeah, but he has had such a pretty brush line, and, you know, sometimes you want to, try and emulate that depending on what you're doing. So I just kind of, I, I, I do, you know, at, you know, and at the same time, like I'm still always still considering myself a student of, I didn't, I don't get that many opportunities to do any life drawing anymore, but it is still something that I, that I play around with at least, you know, like I do sketches from like photos and stuff just to kind of keep those skills up to date. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you're in creative mode, mm-hmm. do you, do you do music or anything in the background? Do you have to have it completely silent is there anything that you do to get you into what you're, where you need to be in your it, head? It, it depends. 90% of the time I'm listening to podcasts or, or, or talk radio for the most part. But then, you know, last week <laughs> I just got into this jag where all I wanted to do all week was listen to disco. 
(laughs) (laughs) All I listened to for an entire week was disco. (laughs) That's just how, that's just how I was feeling. And then some weeks I will listen to nothing but musicals or film scores. But most of the time I'm just, I'm listening to talk radio which annoys my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my wife hates when we go on car trips and yeah, I'm either yeah. putting a podcast on or NPR. Oh yeah. No, no, she doesn't mind podcasts so much, but like if she's, but the thing is, is like when my wife, cause my wife and I, you know, we do, we're, we're here, we live in a two bedroom apartment. We're, we're sharing a space. She works at home. So do I, she, if she is going to listen to something, she'll put her headphones on. I'll put my headphones on. So it's usually, or but if she doesn't have her headphones on, it's super quiet in here. So, and then my daughter is, you know, has her heads, headphones on. So everybody's listening to different stuff. <laughs> when, when you're with your kids or, or uh, you just have one kid, I guess. Yes. Yeah. When, when, do you ever, one thing I've been doing lately, I have a 10 year old and mm-hmm. a uh, six year old and I like dropping, like just filling out things that like music that I listen to and just seeing if they catch on to it, seeing if like, do you like this? It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's dumb, but it's, it's kind of fun to do as a dad just to see like what they latch on to. Right. Well, you know, here's the thing is my daughter is going to be 13 soon and she is, she's trying to, she's at that point where she's trying to find her things, you know, that are separate from what we're doing, what, you know, it's, you know, what we're doing. So a lot of her thing right now is, you know, she's, she's drawing, but she wants to get into animation. And she, but she's also like, she's playing Roblox and, you know, oh, that's, and, yeah. you know and Minecraft. And, <laughs> and then, you know, we, we went to the mall the other day and all she wanted to do was like buy t-shirts from like five below and hot, and hot topic, like anime t-shirts. <laughs> that's yeah my kids are at, at that spot now my my, my six-year-old is really into a cartoon called k-on which is like a a girl rock band and yeah, that, that seems to be a, that seems to be a thing yeah it, it's so weird like we didn't grow up with slice of life cartoons or <laughs> stuff like stuff like that like we had you know gi joe and transformers right. and you know, He Man. He Man was not slice of life, <laughs> um, and they they have this you know an embarrassment of riches in regards to you know children's entertainment. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy. But can we talk a little bit about the Wrong Earth? Sure. So how did you get onto that project? Um, well, actually, what how it happened was because of Stuart Moore. And Stuart, Stuart and I, you know, we've known each other for years. We worked together for a couple of years on Firestorm over in D.C. And we always, like, you know, we, we stayed in touch. We lived pretty close to each other. And there's a, a pie shop near my house called 420 Blackbirds. And I was, I either, I was walking past it and Stuart was, was about to walk in. And we exchanged, you know, hellos. And he goes, hey, you know, Tom Pyre has this project that he you know, that he's doing, and your name came up, and he wanted to talk to you about it. Would you be interested? I was like, yeah, sure, of course, I'd love to talk to Tom about it. And Tom called me up, and he pitched me the idea, and I was just like, wow, okay, no, I'm absolutely in. You know, it, it sounds like a great concept. And he just basically pitched it, you know, you know, to versions of the same heroes, you know, swap earths. And, you know, we hadn't really figured out like who, you know, who they would ultimately end up being like, you know, we just had the, the rough idea of who the character of, you know, dragonfly, dragonfly man was, but, you know, they didn't have a motif set yet. 
<laughs> and what you know, we we actually ended up like hashing out the main beats of it while I was on vacation in Japan. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> so you're you're it's very it seems like the the creativity kind of goes both ways. Like you you're both very into the the making of this book. Oh yeah, absolutely. I you know it, it really is one of the most fun projects that I've ever been involved in. Like it, you know, it's just it's it's great talking to Tom, and you know the scripts that he turns in are just so much fun. He's such a nice dude too. He is. I, I enjoy every second of talking to that man. It, he seems like he's not not just passionate about his work but totally jazz just like you totally jazzed about what other people are putting out oh yeah no and, you know the things and you know the thing about tom also is that one of the things that i discovered very early about tom is tom and i have very similar senses of humor and you know the stuff that made you know that makes us laugh is usually the stuff that makes it in so <laughs> That's, that's got to be, you're both on the same wavelength. So I'm sure that that's super helpful. Yeah. So I, I like to think so. When are we going to see this book with Philip Kennedy Johnson? Or is it, it's not out yet, is it? No, it comes out in March. Nice. Nice. Is, is that part of the, it's not part of the next. Yeah. It's a infinite frontier zero, issue zero. Cool. Cool. So yeah. So It'll, it'll be after the thing that DC's doing now, right? Yeah, it's, so, it's after Future State. So. That's what I was trying to come up with. It, it's changed names so many times I've, I've lost track. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, and how is this going to be an ongoing thing or is this just like a, a one and done? Oh, no, it was, it was, just, it was just a one and done. It was, it was you know, something that could fit in between issues of the wrong earth. So. Has it yeah. been fun playing in that sandbox while you're... It, it, it is, you know, it's, it's been, you know, the, the last, I would say like probably since about last summer, I'd been doing little bits of things again for DC, like a couple of pages here and there, whenever I could, wherever I could fit time in, just because my schedule is just so constantly busy. So it's, it's nice to, I mean, I never, I don't think at this point in my career, I don't know if I ever expected to be back at DC after so long, like have, after, you know, be away for so long. So, you know, it, it's nice to be able to, to play with the toys, especially the new toys. Are, do you have any plans on doing any more self-publishing? You know, last year you did the, well, I think it was last year, right? Molly Danger? No, Molly Danger is a few years ago, but I am planning on. There is a second book in the works. It's it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> the first book has been out for for a few years, but the you know the second book the book is coming. Nice, nice, and do, doing the Kickstarter thing is uh, it's nerve wracking and it's scary. Yeah. Yeah, do you think you'll do? Do you think you'll do the same thing, or you think you'll you'll go and like do it through like a like a standard like publisher? I don't ever want to have to run another Kickstarter at this. Point. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're about to go on our first Kickstarter. And, yeah, the uh, Kickstarter is already shot. <laughs> Kickstarters are very very difficult. I, I allow me to to give you a, a bit of veteran advice. Running a Kickstarter campaign is like running a, 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 an ad campaign for 30 days straight. You have to devote a lot of time oh, yeah. to your yeah. campaign every single day. You have, you, know, you have to be super accessible. You have to be on top of it the entire time. So, it, Luckily, uh, it's like almost... Everything but the lettering is the lettering and the printing is all we need to pay for and, and mm-hmm. shipping. So oh, that's good. Yeah. So it's keeping the cost down. My my friend Pete uh, Pete, he's an English artist. His name is P. L. Woods mm-hmm. because it, his his name is Pete, but there's right. only one Pete Woods. Right. So, <laughs> but yeah, he he he's doing the art and the the colors and stuff and. 
I wrote the thing and it's just, it's been fun, but oh my gosh, I'm nervous. So (laughs) I I wish you all the luck in the world. I I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. It, it, If nothing else, I'm proud of what I did and I'll, I'll do it again. (laughs) 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 Do you have anything else coming up that you want to talk about? That I can talk about? Yeah, that you can, that you can legally talk about without getting in trouble. <laughs> I well, let's see. So, White, which is the sequel to Black, oh, which is nice. So that will be coming out in the spring, finally. So that's that whole thing. I spent the past year working on that, so that is coming out in the spring. So wow. the 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 Kickstarter editions already went out to to all the backers, and this will be like this will be the the official Black Mask Studios version, both the the trade and the single issues. So that'll be coming. They'll I guess they're going to be making an announcement about that probably in like the next week or so. That's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, so that that'll be out in the spring. So, so yeah, that's all I could really talk about other than the Rogger and uh, <laughs> Infinite Zero, the stuff that's been announced already. So, <laughs> Well, are, are you going to be glued to the TV tomorrow? I don't know if I'm going to be glued to the TV. I mean, I, I'll probably watch the first bit of it, but because, of, you know, I spend a lot of time listening to political radio, they'll probably be carrying oh, yeah, the yeah. whole thing all day. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just here for Springsteen, man. That's, <laughs> that's it. I don't even know. <laughs> well, <laughs> Jamal Engel, dude, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Oh, thank you for having me, man. It's, it's been a pleasure. Um, God forbid do you ever have anything else you want to talk about. Come on. I, oh, uh, I, would lo- I would love to. I was so stoked when, when we found out that because they, they asked, they're like, hey, is there anybody you want on? I was like, oh. Jamal Eagle. I want Tom Pear. I want. Uh, <laughs> who else did I ask for? I asked for. I asked for a lot of people at Ahoy, just because mm-hmm. Ahoy has been putting out some crazy stuff. Oh yeah, and and all good stuff. Like yeah, and, yeah. and yes, and unique. I think y'all are doing some good stuff, and it it's really. I just wanted to know what gives. <laughs> <laughs> So, man, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I'll give you a heads up when when this goes live. But, dude, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Take it easy. Stay safe. Mask up. You too. Wash your hands. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Be well, man. You too. Have a good night. Thank you. And we're back. That's right. We are back. Back in the saddle again. Well, <laughs> I hope you guys really, really enjoyed that as much as we did making it for you. And if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, you got to go check out spoilerverse.com because at spoilerverse.com, we have a plethora. Plethora is such a, it's such a snobbish word. <laughs> I like it though. <laughs> It's, it's a good word. <laughs> we have an obscene amount of oh, interviews obscene. with amazing directors and artists of all walks of life and editors and writers. And, oh, my God, are you a lover of comic books like we are? And then there's so many, so many amazing people from the comic book world over at SpoilerVerse.com. And I highly implore you to go there and check it out. Yeah, and while you're there, you can check out all the other podcasts on our network, like Bridges and Geekdoms and Funny Book Forensics and Haphazard Adventures and Nerds and the Crypt and so many more. Misery Point Radio. episodes all the time. Misery Point Radio has got a ton of great stuff out there. Go check all of them out. And check out all of the reviews and previews and articles we have going up every single day for you. Every day on Swillivers.com for you to check out, to read, and to love, and to like, and to comment. We have a store link. You want to help support the site? You can do it two ways. One, go to our Patreon, which is just patreon.com slash country, or go to our store link in the middle of the site there and get a t-shirt, a face mask, a hoodie, something. Look fly as hell and help support the site when you do that because we get a dollar or two. And, you know, maybe you want to talk to us. If you do, you can do it you know, obviously on all the socials, but if you go to scpod.us slash discord, you can join our public discord server and come chat with us all day long. I couldn't say it better myself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You just mouthed out a ton of information at once. And really, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy what you're hearing because we're, we're working our butts off to bring it to you. 
We are. We are. I guess there's only one left thing. One left thing? Yeah. I'm going to go with it. There's only one left thing left to do. What's that? In an oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind. And read more.